Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with a panel of fantastic filmmakers ahead of their film screening at the Ackle Island International Film Festival. So the festival takes place from May the 11th to the 13th. So uh, first up, thank you guys so much for chatting with us. It's lovely to have you here ahead of the festival. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's lovely to see everyone. Uh, and on, on this fine afternoon on Zoom. So I was going to um, just get you guys, uh, so people get used to your lovely voices, to um, introduce yourselves and then a little bit about your film. So your your elevator pitch or your, or your log line, either, either is fine. So I'll start um, from the way I'm looking at it. Uh, Sinead. Sure. Um, so I'm Sinead O'Loughlin. I'm the writer director of Lamb. And so Lamb is a psychological thriller about what happens on an ordinary day when a stranger walks into a woman's home. Um, and there you have it. <laughs> and it's a, it's a tense roller coaster ride for the viewer. Yeah, yeah. Starts yeah. off lovely and 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 kind of sweet, a mom making toast, and then it it goes downhill from there. So. Uh, great so much tension into such a short film um, and and again now to a very different uh, style of film uh, Sean and Kieran, why don't you guys go and, and chat to us about your your film go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> uh, our film is uh, it's sort of a horror comedy combined with a music video uh, for National Treasure and Irish country singer Daniel O'Donnell uh it's day of the dead meets daniel o'donnell a mysterious threat uh threatens his local town and it's up to daniel o'donnell to spring into action and defeat the evil with the power of music and save the day with the help of the locals <laughs> and uh so that's uh sean dugan and kieran mccann am i saying that right dugan is it yeah dugan D-W-G-N. it's a yeah. scottish name oh scottish last name and that brings us on to Sarah. Sarah, tell us a little bit about Candy. Yeah, hi, I'm Sarah Grant. I'm the writer-director of Candy, which is a um, body-positive um, romp, comedy, drama. Uh, it's about plus-size burlesque enthusiast Mandy uh, on the run-up to her first-ever public performance in burlesque. And, um, and it doesn't really happen the way she wants it to, which is in this glitzy jazz club, but rather on top of a car in the dodgy end of Glasgow, which is still sexy. <laughs> And it is, and it deals with some um very serious themes in a in a, a very um kind of warm and empathetic way, and, and in a way that tricks you into into dealing with hard stuff because it's very funny and it and it's 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 a kind of testament to female friendship, which is so lovely. So um definitely, again again a great mix of a great mix of things. So so I'm going to uh, chat to um you Kieran about Night of the Daniels since I since I didn't uh, get to to fully get introduced to you in that section and so this is Kieran McCann can you tell me a little bit about the inception of Night of the Daniels um well I suppose the in- inception started well we live very close to Daniel O'Donnell we're uh, basically neighbors and he had seen our videos in the past and we decided just to reach out to him and we were like, can we make a video for you? And amazingly, he said yes. And then even more amazingly, we came up with this amazing, well, 
sorry, not amazing, ridiculous storyboard. Um, because we wanted to go all out and make something that people were going to remember. And we sent him the storyboard, which obviously involved him above the town being attacked, him slicing things with a sword, burning things with a flamethrower. And incredibly, he didn't have any pushback on any of the ideas. No notes. And, no notes. Yeah, uh, no notes. He just gave us the green light and... Yeah, we're just extremely lucky to be able to make something that bonkers for someone with, um, you know, as big a name as he does, you know. So, uh, so all credit to him and his, I guess you could say, bravery for uh, putting the trust in us to make something like that. So, yeah, I don't know, just a lot of, a lot of uh, good luck and things fell in at the right place, you know. So I don't know, very lucky. So one of the things that I think is is very interesting is um, just with regards to budget. So this is this is a film that you guys have uh, that there's a lot of effects and like it's very high concept. <laughs> there's giant Daniels, there's wax figures that that get very violent. There's some zany townspeople. Um, is that like was that all of the kind of low key music video? budget that, that it would be squirreled away is that something um, like a labor of love for people yeah i mean the this pro the one thing i will say about this project is that it couldn't have been made anywhere else in the world um if if it wasn't made in our hometown and daniel's hometown then it wouldn't have been possible to have been made because the amount of favors and you know and goodwill that we received um because the budget, I know it's Daniel O'Donnell, but the budget wasn't big. And we had to rely on, like I said, favors. And it really felt, turned into almost like a community project. Um, so that was kind of heartwarming in a way. And then, yeah, we just, me and Sean just had to rely on a lot of, I don't know, you know, MacGyvering and, uh, <laughs> you know, gaffer tape. And we had to do everything ourselves you know, build the set, all the special effects were done by me and Sean. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was a real higgle, higgledy-piggledy mm-hmm. job, but somehow, somehow, you know, came together. So A beautiful disaster. And there's, there's a lot <laughs> there that I that I want to probe into with regards to the process of this specific problem uh, project. But what I'm going to do is... Problem. Yeah, problem. Uh, uh, problem solving. But um, Sinead, just tell me a little bit about... Um, so Lamb was a focus short, which if anyone doesn't know, is a Screen Ireland um, funding scheme. And I just want you to talk a little bit about um, your inception in putting that script together, going through the funding process... Um, hearing back from Screen Ireland. Just tell me a little bit about how it was made. Sure. So um, I think it was actually 2018 when I came up with the original idea. And so I work a lot with Arcade Film and I'm, they're in the room right now and I'm talking about them. So I've got to say <laughs> nice things. But and so I, I've worked on all my fam- films with Arcade. So it's Killian Waters and uh, Dan Keane. And um, so I remember like telling Dan about the initial idea because the initial idea was I suppose the scenario of this guy walking in and the positioning in the room and I didn't have the ending at first, but they were like, you know, really into it and they were encouraging me and I kept working on it and I knew I wanted to put it into focus short. So I suppose um, we applied originally in 2018 and, or sorry, yeah, 2018 and didn't get it. And um, 
So we were, you know, with the way the funding works um, or did at the time is that you can apply a second time with the same project, um, but that would be it. So we kind of had a chat and thought that we would strengthen our application by um, getting a producer to come on board, which was Lara Hickey. And then funnily enough, it was the last funding application that I did before COVID. It was like we submitted it in March 2020. So um, the way it worked before um, and, and just just out of yeah. curiosity, um, just just to, to break that down. So would they have given you feedback on the application and said, sure. like, look, it's I don't know, like this part of the script needs working on or or is it just a, is it just like a flat no? Try again next year. Uh, well, we were shortlisted for interview the first time. So that was helpful. Um, in many ways, kind of just get, getting shortlisted for interview uh, was good for us because we did a certain amount of prep before going into the room for we didn't get any feedback about the script. I mean, I don't think there was any issues about the script itself. So. I, I mean, by the time I went into the room, I only had, we just finished my second short. So I kind of felt it's that thing where you kind of had to think afterwards, okay, are there any things that we could do to strengthen it? And we as a kind of group kind of felt, you know, I, I think it'd be good for us to kind of work with a dedicated producer. So we didn't get any notes about like changing um, the script. And so we, we, we personally thought, I think, you know, you're kind of guessing, <laughs> but I, I think the combination of having Lara come on board, but also at that point, you know, I had a bit more experience as well, which might have helped because um, uh, it is very a very competitive scheme. So um, then the second time we also had so much more prep done going in because we had done a certain amount of prep for the first time. So like you have all that material going forward. So by the time we got interviewed in late 2020, you know, the project had been in development for two years, which is quite a long time. You know, we talked about it a lot. We kind of knew everything. And um, and thankfully, they did go ahead with the scheme, even even because of what happened with COVID, which I'm really grateful for, because they could have easily just cancelled it that year. But we found out, I think, around Christmas time that we got it and we shot in uh, June 21. So, um, you know, I think we were the first focus short to shoot after the restrictions were somewhat lifted. Uh, but that was our experience of it. Yeah. I, and I know, and I know this year they've increased the budget and they've given it to 10 filmmakers, whereas it was four when we did it. So it's a great scheme and it's great to see more people being able to kind of take, um, take advantage of it now. And how did you find the implementation of it? Cause I think there was, was there still COVID restrictions or anything by the time you got around to shooting it? Yeah, it was a funny one. It all came together very quickly, I suppose. Well, it kind of, it kind of has to, it's always like that. But it was in between restric- restrictions, which was really challenging because I think people could travel internally. So uh, finding a location was really hard because, of, uh, you know, oftentimes you'd look at I needed a very specific layout of the kitchen. And oftentimes you'd look on Airbnb and stuff, but everything was booked out because everybody was doing their staycations. And then also because there'd been such a bottleneck of like um, there was a bottleneck because production had been delayed for so long across the board. So it was really hard to get crew. So everything. Everything was, you know, it was quite stressful to kind of pull it all together. We found a location, uh, thankfully, in East Cork, where I live, um, which I because I really wanted to make it in Cork because I'm based in Cork now. And um, and we, but I was kind of willing to go anywhere uh, location wise because it was proving difficult. But it all kind of just came together then. So like it was very intense because of crew availability and all of those things. But then because we shot it quite early on in the process, we knew we were going to be premiering in Galway the following year. So we actually had quite a long time for the edit, which I think was to our advantage. And then it became too much so <laughs> because we were the first to shoot and the last to deliver, which is really bold of us. But we got it over the line. But I do think a long edit for me personally worked very well on this project. 
because it can be hard to see things with those fresh eyes as well mm. but I'll, I'll, I'll ask you more about the edit sure. process actually definitely because I think your one is something that hinges on timing so so massively sure. but I'm going to um, move on to Sarah so Sarah you have uh, live shows performance sex scenes so in, in in a time of intimacy coordination you have um like dark themes and 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 a humor to it as well throughout the the whole thing which is which is no kind of mean feat tell me a little bit about um the the project and getting it across the line from script stage to production um in terms of uh candy the story kind of came together through lots of different things at the same time i was um i've I'm a for those who are listening and seeing like I'm a plus size woman and I do I'll, I try to do a lot of work to kind of champion plus size people on screen and something that I keep coming back to is that whenever you see a positive plus size person they're always playing the best friend character to a thin lead so we have this fat girl best friend trope that just kind of like doesn't really have her own development so I kind of was wanting to create this film that potentially was like what if we had a classic fat girl best friend narrative but then we made her the main character so her like Mandy is wanting to do burlesque and she's a silly character she's a comic character she's the comic relief but that's really important to her while her best friend Jenna uh, Jenna is struggling because she's living with a coercive controlling partner and it's becoming more and more apparent that he's controlling her body she's a professional dancer and he's having some serious problems with that and it's so it's always so attractive as a storyline but what I kind of wanted to do is to be like yes that is an attractive storyline drama we're always going to be um pulled towards that however that doesn't mean that this other character with her silly wants and her like self-proclaimed sexiness and her gobby mouth like doesn't it doesn't mean that her story is any less valid in this narrative so it was kind of um it came together that that's how we kind of came together also this is my first I'd be making um I'd made a lot of self-funded things before crowdfunded but this was my first industry funded short so I wanted to make something that reflected where I was as a filmmaker as well and it felt that Mandy is like all confidence in private but it's being confident in private versus like you know actually out in the world is is a different thing so I kind of felt the same way like I knew that I could make films but in terms of give me a budget and put me on the the stage of industry and I I knew that I could do it but it was just a case of it was still scary um so it kind of felt that because of all those things were rooted in such deep realities for me when it came to like you know getting the script together and then getting it over the line there was such a clear vision that was easily to articulate to all the execs involved and all the people involved and everyone that kind of came on to the project just kind of knew me and knew what I was trying to do so it was a really easy process and Misha our producer who we I went through um our Scotland's equivalent of like the BFI network program so I kind of went through a development process for three months and then pitched for the funding was awarded the funding and then I went looking for a producer so Misha kind of came on when we were already doing it um already there but it was really great to kind of have this thing that I'd kind of worked on for a while and then hand it over and then she brought together this incredible crew that just everybody got it everybody got it everybody was supportive and everyone was like we know what you're trying to do and we know why it's different and um so it just for me it felt very very easy I'm also in the film which was never going to be the it was never what was intended I have done performance stuff before but very rarely when I'm directing but because I had such a safe environment for myself 
I kind of felt that I could put my money where my mouth is. And I felt that if I did this sit with this one time, then I'd never have to do it again. I could work with plus size actors and say, I'm never going to ask you to do something that I haven't done myself. I got my BAPS out in February in Scotland on top of a car. So cold. Yeah, so it is. It's, it's And that's actually one of the things that I thought was very um, kind of lovely about this film. Um, but there is there is sort of, again, it like sex scenes. There's I think now we have to tackle it in such a way that like it's both very justified, um, very justified, but also um, like handled it very sensitively for the actress. So was would you have had um, an intimacy coordinator? I suppose you're the director as well, so you're not going to screw yourself over. <laughs> yeah, no, work it. I think intimacy coordinators and well-being coordinators are very important. And I'm really glad to see more and more of them come into the industry and we're spending more time and focus and more money into making it might make it might make things harder for the producers and it's harder for the production, but it's worth it. It's worth like scaling down on other things to make sure that everyone is safe and having a good time. Mental health in our industry is absolutely shocking and there are things we can do about that. Um, so, yes, I worked with an intimacy, co- intimacy coordinator and um, it was very I, I kind of didn't want to shy away specifically from that as much as I felt like I, oh, I knew that as the director I was like I don't want to shy away from like the plus size body I don't want to hide it I don't want to feel ashamed of it but then as the actor I was like I hate myself I hate that I'm doing this to myself Um, so I worked with an intimacy coordinator which made things a lot easier which was brilliant at the same time I still hated doing the the intimacy scenes but it's because as the director I don't think I was actually just as the actor in the room I think if I was just the actor then I would have felt so great being in that process but because I felt I was thinking about everything I almost couldn't switch my brain off from it so I definitely didn't have a good time um doing it but I think that the difference between not having the best time or like as an actor sort of thing and or being able to do it was having the intimacy coordinators there and was operating with closed set policies and was just having everyone on board for what it was that we were doing stepping away from monitors and just creating like a really good space for everyone in the room so it was great to be part of that both kind of as the director and as the person who was like personally reaping the benefits from that space and it does and and you really capture um that that arc of of Mandy's kind of growth as a human like you know she's someone who wants to try so hard to 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 do what she loves and is, is kind of like being held back but also being pushed back by the world like there's just brilliant um writing where you have her being nagged <laughs> so often and it, and in these kind of like subtle almost well-meaning ways that it just felt like the writing was just really really truthful so actually tell me a little bit about how the development process worked there so would you have had the polished script when you went to Misha would you guys have done another draft together how would it have worked we had a pretty polished script when Misha came on board and then a lot of things kind of change like as things do when you start to actually when when it becomes more this isn't something that we'd like to make here's the realities of the budget the time constraints and everything else then things slightly changed but um not much had to change not much really had to change from what was already there. I had a great development process. Um, we had these really great mentors that were through the scheme. We also had peer review. So I was working in a cohort, which when we were still having online sessions, it was great to have people in a cohort and a WhatsApp group. Writing can be so lonely. And especially when there's an element of like personal experience being put into your script or your heart being put into your script. It's just so nice to have people that are looking after you as well. And um, 
I loved the, the the mentors that they had on and uh, two of the mentors actually um, came on after the film was funded and their job was done as the mentor of the cohort, but they came on as executive producers because they were like, we really love this and we're invested and we want to help it. So that's how I got Blazing Griffin, the post-production house involved and, um, it, and they offered so much like space. This was since this was my... Um, first step into like industry funded we were like you need a really strong producer but we kind of didn't Misha had done lots of production management production coordinating but she was stepping up as well but it was because we had Blazing Griffin and the producers attached as execs that it was they were able to be like you're not taking a risk by letting two people step up into these roles that we know that they can do it they've just never done it at this level before but we know you're ready to take that step so it was um it was really great for uh allowing people to step up as well and sometimes that works really well because you have someone who's like so invested in doing the very, very best and calling in every favor that they possibly have, like from from the professional experience. So I, I want to now actually go um, and chat with uh, Kieran and Sean about the production element of your um, thing. So so you got um, you got Daniel on board. You you have your your setup. How do you sort of go about like planning a shoot for this? Like, what does that what does that sort of look like on a on on a on a basis? Because there's like it's so ambitious, it's so um, physical. Like, there's so much blocking, this composite. Like, how how does that process work? Yeah, so the storyboard stage or the script stage is where you can dream, you know. And I think we just never <laughs> there was nothing that we scrapped because we thought we couldn't do it. We just everything we everything we wanted. Uh, to be in the video ended up being in the video for better or for worse because some of the stuff like you said was quite ambitious um, and quite hard to pull off um yeah i suppose just we 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 came to him with the idea in its entirety and nothing changed from there and we just sort of threw ourselves head on at it and we have a background in animation um so we thought we could do most of the effects uh and and in in kind of a camp way where it's like not doesn't take itself seriously and if it looks tacky then it works but if it if it looks like we're trying too hard and it, you know it might it might um it might fail that way but yeah we just thought you know screw it let's <laughs> let's do this uh let's do this as cheaply as possible we don't have the time we don't have the money but you know a few favors here and there how long was the shoot then and 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 like how do you kind of go about sourcing locations because you did have to sort of build the concept of of an entire mm-hmm. wax museum and an opening and 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 get yeah. across the the vibe of that which isn't an easy task at all yeah oh it was at the beginning of production uh or when we wrote the script there was actually a daniel o'donnell museum in our local town and they had big glass boxes with with <laughs> mannequins wearing daniel o'donnell stage outfits uh and we were like this is just sitting here we could write a script around a wax museum of daniel o'donnell's that comes to life with a mysterious curse and like do it in halloween um but then covid hit and that <laughs> the wax museum closed down but we still had the idea and he had agreed to the idea and we had to wait for covid to kind of wash over and then there was no wax museum so we had to end up uh, booking out a gallery and we had to build our own um, we called the local hotel. They had like a runway and we just sort of like hung up a bunch of Daniel stuff in the walls. Um, and then the the original idea was based in our local town. And we had that in mind, uh, writing the story that it would be on Main Street and that they would they would exit the, the, the wax museum onto the Main Street and terrorize a little house on the Main Street. And then the big finales 
uh, on the street in front of the cope, which is like a local uh, business who like helped us a lot with like building materials and stuff. And they <laughs> we always plan to have them in the video in the background is sort of like a, like a mini advertisement for them. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. kind of how, that's why it is the way it is and why it yeah, is where like, it is. We had, um, six, six days to shoot it all. Um, and most of it was at night. Uh, and we were shooting in the middle of summer. So mm. it could only start at 11 PM had to be finished at 4 AM. Um, so time constraints was, was a huge factor. But it was raining. It did rain a lot, yeah. And in terms of the pre-production, like Sean said, with the Wax Museum, um, building the set, it was all real awards that Daniel had there. It was actually all of his stuff, all his real stuff um, that was just in someone's shed. Um, we were like, can we take this? And we loaded up into a big van. We drove it ourselves down to the gallery and then we screwed it all into the walls. And then the guy that we took it off was like, when we finished shooting, he said, I don't want this back. Uh, it's, take, it's, it's, it's taken up my shed. Can you please, can you please ask Daniel to take it back? So we, we had to bring Daniel. And we're like, listen, Daniel, you're going to have to take back all, all your crap that you built over, over the years. So uh, yeah, yeah, he waited for us to shed. box it all up. And it was like a truckload of stuff. We had to rent uh, a flat, <laughs> flat back to take it all the way to the museum. And then, then he told us, I don't want it back. That's brilliant. He's like he's using a, a, the 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 film as an excuse to clear out a shed. That's I mean, yeah, it's inventive. Yeah. He waited exactly. until it was all gone. And then uh, there's so many you know factors um, that were all just locally sourced. You know, we have a there's a shot where a car gets crushed when the giant Daniel steps on the car, and um, we did we crushed a car for the special effects, and it was all sourced from the local car breakers a guy called martin o'donnell he was just like yeah no bother get you a car i'll drive a big forklift and he had a big forklift and he had a massive steel block and he just shook it off the forklift and crushed the car in the middle of the main street and oh uh God. and we, we we even at we even asked like the I, I guess you could say like high up members of the community you know air quotes <laughs> and um we said, listen, we want to set people on fire in the main street. We want to crush a car in the main street. Who do we need to ask? And being so typical Donegal, they just said, don't ask. Don't ask anyone. <laughs> don't. don't tell anyone. That, don't tell anyone you're going to do it. Because once you tell people, that's when you'll get all the red tape. They just Better said, to just beg go. for forgiveness. Exactly. Exactly. So anyone, any and locations managers in, in Donegal, it's, it's a lot of place. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But easy to get things across the line. <laughs> I don't know. We might have to cut that and get in trouble. Well, like we'll on the QT. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, to, to any filmmakers out there, um, you know, if you want to get things done quick and <laughs> without, without any bureaucracy, come to the Banana Republic of Donegal and you'll get it sorted. So yeah, the same guy who gave us the car and, and the forklift, he said, "Listen, lads, I have a fire truck out the back if you ever need rain." <laughs> so, very, very resourceful town. And no main streets were harmed in the making of the film. That's great. Yeah, I was just picturing like broken glass everywhere, someone on <laughs> fire, and they're like, oh yeah, this is just a normal Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, no one bothered us. The, not, a crowd didn't even gather or anything. <laughs> Another, we, and, we're kind of like always making videos around the town, so there's like all the lads are 
doing something. They're they're up to it again. Just stay clear. <laughs> <for> your own <laughs> exactly. safety. Exactly. Oh. So um, again, to it to from 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 the wild, wild north to a a, a kind of beautiful self-contained um, home that's been invaded. Uh, uh, Sinead, can you tell me a little bit about your um, process of so much of, of what you um, have created in Lamb kind of hangs on that back and forth, that unspoken um, fear, the the invasion, the, the 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 building. Can you tell me a little bit about how you went about maybe casting that? How how you went to rehearse it? Because it's just this lovely evolution of of what's happening, and then those slight reveals as as we go along. That really kind of keeps you hooked, and you get that kind of like impending sense of fear. Can you tell me just how do you go about creating that? Sure. Uh, thanks, Million. Um, I mean, it's it's so kind of like all the different layers. Do you know what I mean? As in, like all the other people who worked on this, actually, everybody. Like you know, so like obviously we work we worked for a long time on this on the script. Like my background is theatre, and it's kind of funny then that the the short is essentially you know it's one you know it's one location. It's almost it's it's continuous. It, it's one continuous scene really. So. Um, I suppose I always had Aoife Duffin in my mind for it because I'd seen her in a lot of theatre over the years and I thought I just really admired her. Like she's, um, she just reminds me of the type of women that I grew up with. Like she has a kind of fierceness to her, but, um, even though she's quite physically small, like she, she's just really like, I, I just thought she was, she's a brilliant actor. So when she came on board, that was great. And then originally when I wrote it, um, the character of Paul was going to be a bit older, but actually as we developed it, I kind of liked the idea of him being a younger guy because it just gave this whole other level of like the audacity of him kind of walking into her house. So, but I would be less familiar with younger actors because I haven't been in theater for years and COVID happened and everything. So my, uh, our producer, Lara Hickey actually had seen, Aina Hardwick, um, he went to the Lear Academy and she'd seen him in the showcase and she suggested him. And then before I actually got to speak to him online, um, like to meet him initially, you know, a couple of people had said to me, oh, you know, he's an absolute gent to work with and he's really great and uh, which is all good. And then when I met him, um, yeah, he was really, uh, you know, just very impressed by him. But when I saw the two of them together, I just, just thought they were great. And um, I suppose it was kind of, you know, from there as you kind of just went forward, like once we had the cast, I was very fortunate to have a rehearsal day with them, which makes all the difference. And um, it really was just kind of um, teasing it out. Like I liked the idea that it was like a, for her, it's kind of like, like it is a game and it's all about kind of the stakes being upped and um and from her perspective, I wanted the audience to kind of experience it kind of um as she does in the sense that the space gets smaller when he enters the room. The idea that when they sit down at the table, I would have done an awful lot of work with Dan, um, our cinematographer about, you know, how close we would be in those moments. And um, yeah, just to kind of give, give it. And then uh, another aspect of it then, because it was just kind of building from there. Uh, the edit was obviously hugely important. Our editor who's sitting over there, so he's going to think I'm lying. Is Killian <laughs> uh, was just amazing because like, there were twin babies and, you know, I can't, I always say I can't blame anybody because I wrote the script, but it was very challenging to have like toddlers who you cannot direct. <laughs> and, you know, the first day of set, cause we were really stuck for time. Like they can only be on set for like 30 minutes at a time and um, you can't shoot past half four and stuff like that. So, you know, it was, in, you know, we only had three days, but they were three short days and we had to be very smart as to how to shoot around the baby, but then also to, 
weave everything into a single baby performance even was pure magic by Killian but we were just because we did have that long edit it was really just about like um whittling it down as much as possible to kind of try to like you know really wrench the kind of the tension out of it and um or into it whatever the phrase is (laughs) and um yeah I mean and then on top of that then it was uh we I worked at Dee Hexen to do she did the composition and the sound design and we also had really good post-production houses um who helped with the sound and everything as well because uh I suppose it's very sparse in a sense like I mean it was for 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 us it was just it was much like the the spaces in between things being said and those moments um were very, very important so and the music the sound design really helped with that because the idea was is that sounds became heightened as soon as he came in and there's a very faint like high-pitched noise and there's a real, real risk of her especially when he knocks over the tea just kind of like disassociating or whatever and just leaving so it was all about kind of you know the space and using the natural sound but like with with the cast were just incredible like so it, you know the two of them um were just um, amazing so um yeah, like I was very lucky with who who we worked with. We had a fantastic crew, and um, yeah, it it just all 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 uh, turned out exactly the way we wanted it to. Definitely. So so this is the so Aoife is powerful and she's brilliant and she just brings this lovely warmth but yeah exactly that strength to it the you know like where you know she's she's sussing him out she's doing that thing where it's like you know I don't want to anger him um, in the beginning but I must say like in a oh my god this is now the second time like I've just been really blown away I, I saw Lakelands um, there and, and he just really transforms and you know he's someone with a, a bit of edge to him like he even in that he is that rage but you know he he put layers on the charm in the beginning um he's he's he kind of he, i don't know he's just he's just really kind of visually engaging as well like he's just yeah he's great. spectacular in this especially and 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 like that you're you're kind of watching him and I'm, i don't want to say too much about it like we just know sure. it's it's uh before it's anyone watches, by the way yeah. <laughs> it's so sweet <laughs> um but like that you you just get he just transforms like he just yeah. physically transforms like he looks like a different performer at different stages of it and and it's just it's just wonderful so i'm i'm just i'm just curious to as a director how do you um, you said you had a rehearsal day. Like, would you play through the action back and forth because it is a bit of a tennis match? Would you give them their own direction separately and let them play it out? Like, what's your process there? Well, I suppose, you know, I kind of think the more I work with actors, that the more it's really just about figuring out what their process is and just trying to give them what they need. And like, you know, I would happily, I don't know whether it's advantageous or not to have written it because I think obviously when you get to rehearsal and stuff, even if it's not your script, it becomes a different thing. You know, you need to kind of work it out with the, with the actors. But, um, for us we just talked a lot about like I think for Aina as well like for his process I think he really wanted to understand what was going on for Paul like that led him up to the point that he went into the room like I would have had writer's notes but I actually didn't share them with them because I kind of wanted like you have to kind of hand it over to them and you you also have to leave space I think for the performance like you know for what they bring to it so so sometimes it was just like you know we did a read through and stuff but and then sometimes it was just teasing out particular parts and talking it out and then, you know, just watching them. I mean, like I could watch the two of them all day, like, but, you know, there was, but, and I got a lot from it because um, at one point Aoife got up and walked away from the table. And that's when I thought and came back and said to Dan, if we could give her that moment when she makes the tea as like, that's her only moment of relief to like, 
what the hell am I going to do next? What's going to happen next? You know, like that we could actually stay with her. So, you know, you get a lot from just, just watching them. The only other thing that I did, I, I, and it was pure, I, I almost felt bad because I just did it because I just was out of sheer like enjoyment. But at the very end of the rehearsal day, I made them switch roles. So that was really good fun. So we forgot to play Paul and Paul got to play Sarah. So that was, <laughs> that was funny. And I got something from that because just the, the, again, like you say, the physical transformation, like the two of them were just really, really great. Uh, so just to watch that was pure indulgence on my behalf. But um, yeah, I mean, rehearsal isn't always possible, but when you do get it, it can just be really, really great, you know, and because it's just around a table and uh, it's all, you know, it, it was just trying to explore. Uh, and I, I think Eva, you know, she did certain gestures on the day in rehearsal and we kind of tried to work that in and stuff. So it's just, it's always really nice to have, but not always possible, you know. And how long was the shoot again? It was three days. Three, three days. days. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it was only when we first started shooting. It's like one of the babies was not having it. And I was like, I cannot do anything about this. This baby's going to tank us all. <laughs> <laughs> but actually the the babies were fantastic like we just worked uh, you know we figured out their nap schedule we, we had it down to a t i had an amazing first ad nile owens who was like totally yes, in charge yeah. of but also aina actually you see initially when i wrote it i was like oh it must it's going to be really important that Eva has a good dynamic with the children but actually then i realized as we got closer to it that she doesn't really you handled the child that much at all and actually the relationship with Aina you know off screen was much more important and thankfully we started calling him the baby wrangler because he has a lot of nephews and nieces and he used to he was fantastic with the children and such a good actor that to the point he used to be outside with their mother and aunt playing with them he pretended they were like you know an airplane and he would literally walk into the room sit down and start acting like that was like that was how good he was at what he did he just dropped into it whenever he had the babies on board so it was great that's that's handy double job and yeah double <laughs> no don't say that to him we didn't pay no no, no no <laughs> equity would be on tea now after this i'll get everyone yeah, in trouble yeah. um <laughs> So, uh, Sarah, can you tell me a little bit again about your process of shooting? You have a lot of uh, setups in this. I know like the majority of it takes place sort of in in um, the friend's home, but just you do you have like a lot of kind of big setups with like dressed up extras that are that are that that are performance are key to to selling it you have the the, the tension the, the performance element the different the different realms how do you go about setting that up I'm sure that was a, a difficult one to plan um we had a really really great um designer on board Yvette Smith who um she's an absolute hurricane of a human um and uh you can uh we used a lot of my own flat uh so my partner is also like um creative so when I said you need to leave and go somewhere else for four days they understood so um I got to kind of like um we got to do a lot of like dressing up with the flats and not worrying a lot about it uh we have this great speakeasy in Glasgow that's actually attached to a Celtic bar it's very strange um but yeah they have so that was pretty much like it came um already dressed so our locations were pretty easy to wrangle and navigate and um I've doesn't really matter how whether you're working with a budget or not you will always be calling in favors my mum and dad were the caterers and they showed up in their re-aprons so it was just everyone was kind of being uh, taken care of and um it was funny I think the kind of one story about the plan that I had in my head was that I was going to film the the big dance scene the outside dance scene at the end so we scheduled so that that would be the last thing I shot 
because there was a lot of crew that I hadn't worked with before like um, that was one of the most amazing things that Misha brought on is that she's got a fantastically large network so we got to bring on lots of um, like uh, we had a huge amount of uh, women HODs and also queer people on board which was really important to me and um, but there were a lot of them I hadn't worked with before so there was just this nerves about me having to perform um this thing so I wanted it to happen at the end so if it didn't if it didn't go wrong then I never had to see them again but um, the the week of the shoot we realized that the area we were in I don't know whether you're familiar with the Celtic Rangers football rivalry in Glasgow. Um, but uh, anyway, we, we were filming really close to, uh, in Kenning Park, which is really close to um, the Rangers football stadium. And we realised that the last night of filming was on a game night. And it's just, you just, it's not that it's dangerous. It's just that the area is so busy and there's so many people. And we just, we couldn't gu- even guarantee the safety of the kit and the crew and things. So it was a case of, you're going to have to swap this. So I ended up doing this big routine on day two, as opposed to the last day. So there was a case of like, well, we're about to get very friendly. Um, But then it kind of almost worked in my favour because there was this long, really hard day with these exterior, really intense scenes early on in the shoot. And then we went all into the micro of the the relationships in the flat. And it kind of was like everyone had kind of seen the big, the, the huge parts of it and got on board with that. So it meant that when it came down to the micro, everyone was kind of even more focused on getting that right. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise. Um for the scheduling and uh, things uh so it worked out for it worked out well in the end it was fine um and also I will say that as much as I can talk about the planning because I have a bit of production in my background is the thing that really changed for me as a director on this set is just how much I was kind of almost protected from the the minutia of production anytime I'm like do you need a hand they were like no no you go and you go and do your prep you go do your work so there was a lot of things that like if there was any issues I wasn't aware of them because I was being protected by a production team who knew that my my focus had to be elsewhere which um is for a director is an absolute dream come true that is um it speaks really to the collaborative nature of the medium as well and mm-hmm. how important that is because I think no matter how prepped you are, no matter how organized you are, no matter how all the the T's are crossed and I's are dotted, like things just go wrong. <laughs> like yeah. you'll show up and there's something there that shouldn't be there or someone isn't there that should be there. Oh and, yeah, we and- had a, one of the places we were at, like the kind of, our base was at, we, our base was at the post-production houses and the things, the offices were on the third floor and the lift was broken. So my parents showed up with all the food and my dad has bad knees and my mum has multiple sclerosis and it was just a case that we pretty much had to stop filming to help them up the stairs with the food. And I was like, this is something we could never have imagined would have gone wrong there is nothing that would ever come anywhere near the risk assessment for this of all of us running up and down these stairs with trays of lasagna (laughs) it's very silly and so so much of um the the performance element of things kind of hinges on a on a physical performance and about capturing this and capturing the movement and the changes in the movement was that difficult to do as a director when you were performing as well how did you manage that would you stop it all and watch it back would you work with the DOP would you have rehearsed would you have a body double I I, so I um, do a lot of dancing as a hobby I've been dancing like for a few years it kind of started like early on in the pandemic and it's been a bit of just something that I'm 
it's been really kind of important to me. I'm working on a documentary just now about about um the world of dance for plus size people and how you kind of assume it's something that you can't do. But if you grow up doing Kaylee dancing, which is disgusting and sweaty and minging, then you're like, nah, I've been doing this the whole time. It doesn't really matter. So like dance is something that's always been really like kind of important to me. So I wasn't really as nervous about the the actual physicality movement of it before. So I was working with um, my dance teacher uh, as the choreographer. We had access to the spaces, which she provided in kind. Um, our DOP came along to the dance rehearsals and things. And then when we broke down each movement, each section, each part of the music, then we knew what we were looking for. So it meant that when I was when it came a point for me to show up and dance, I'd kind of already done all of my work in my prep, so I didn't have to watch anything back. Um, I watched some of the emotive stuff back, but there wasn't any of the dance stuff I didn't get back. I was just looking at the people who were looking after me um, and just saying, have I got it? And they were like, yeah, you've got it. So then I trusted that. <laughs> and and I was never, I never, I never got to the edit. I never thought, oh my God, I wish that someone had told me to do this differently. Like I I trusted them and it, and it paid off because I got it. <laughs> So uh, just just to tell me a little bit about how, like, what, what what were some of the issues? Like, okay, so that was a big kind of physical one. And then setting up of those locations, you were saying at least they were kind of more or less in position. But like, what would be some of the issues that it would you'd have from going from location to location to location like that? Um, I think just the time of year we were filming at um because of the scheme that we were on we were told that um we had to have our we got the funding in september and we were told we had to deliver by the end of the financial year in april so we were turning things around really quickly and we were like okay we're shooting we're gonna have to shoot um at the uh, end of january start of february um and just in scotland is just there's no light there's just no light at that time of year you have daylight from maybe 10 o'clock to four o'clock if that if you're lucky and and if the weather's bad then it can be so dark so that we were taking and there was quite a lot of like external stuff so we're taking a bit of a gamble um but yeah there was there's always that problem is like you're always knackered on set but at least in summer you've got that you're not going to work in the dark and coming home in the dark so I think just the timing um the timing was a bit of a mess but to be fair to us that we did decide to take that on ourselves because at kind of late December, we got told that the financial year limit no longer applied because the, the, the funders had got another year to run the program again. So they're like, there isn't, we don't need to deliver everything now you've got until the next year. So every other project in my cohort took their foot off the gas, but we'd already made such strides to actually put the shoot in place. We're like, we kind of have momentum now we could just carry on and then just try and, try and nail this as soon as possible so which I think worked for us in terms of what our ambitions were for what how we wanted to use the film and how we wanted to see it because it meant we got to um debut in October which was around about the same time that everyone else in my cohort was shooting so like we were kind of out and in the world like really quickly but it did mean that there was a lot of um oh yeah there was this other program so because we were still um kind of coming out of COVID times in um January 2022 we were doing as much as we can to maintain social distancing and my flat isn't exactly massive we had lots of spaces in the close but we had uh we decided what we would do is um we had this marquee like just a like a summer one that my parents had and we put it in the back garden so we we put it up before the shoot started and then there was a storm with like 
40 miles an hour winds in this tent just get absolutely annihilated, just utterly destroyed. And we're like, well, the remains are still in my garden. Oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, but that was the worst of the weather, which was good. We had really, really terrible rain on the first day, but we were inside at the cabaret club the whole time. So it, wouldn't, it wasn't really affecting us. Um, but, yeah. So I think uh, just in terms of doing multiple locations and going from place to place and not having everything inside or lit or in a studio space in Scotland in February was crap, but we managed. Um, I was going to open it up to see if you guys had any questions for each other about each other's films or about the process of anything like that. Sinead, how... um... How much did the wolf door knocker inform your decision to go with that cottage? <laughs> Actually, it was just a happy coincidence, which is kind of wow. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. <laughs> it's a happy coincidence. Amazing. Yeah. Very funny. I, I just I just want to say, Lamb, I just thought it was so uh, so well executed. And I just thought the script completely disappeared from the offset. And it was just all about the performances, the visual storytelling. And I just thought it was, yeah, executed beautifully. Uh, thanks, Emily. And uh, mm-hmm. I was going to ask as well, the like, the sound design was incredible. And I just wanted to ask, did you record um, the babies for like reaction noises uh, after the fact? or? Yeah, very much the sound of the the the, the, the children would be, um, you know, kind of spliced together, if you know what I mean. So like... Yeah. Um, which is why, like, I had to kind of reassure their family when they came to see it that the babies weren't crying for that amount of time, that a lot of yeah. it was, was cheated, you know. Um, but yeah. I, I was kind of curious as well as to whether they'd be able to tell which twin was which at the different times. And their mum was able to tell them apart. And, you know, their grandmother could tell the, by their, by the, by the, no, the, which, which twin was crying at a particular time, which is kind of funny. But yeah, it was all very much pieced together, just like the kind of performance, really. I, I just had like I just wanted I just loved candy I thought it was uh, I thought it was great I just um um yeah I mean sorry we we're we're shooting something else so I feel like my brain is a bit mush today but I'll try and articulate why I loved it so much and then probably send you an email afterwards (laughs) that will say it better but I just I just loved it I just thought like you know it was just so um just a really kind of like fresh take on you know uh all the themes and just really funny and um yeah, I just loved it. Just very, very um, smartly done, and I yeah, I thought it was great. Thank you so much. Like, I'm also a mushy brain today. Uh, like, <laughs> I've been at the Glasgow. Like, this month has been really crazy because the the Glasgow Film Festival was the first week, and then the BFI Flare Festival was the second week, and then the Glasgow Short Film Festival was that was yeah. last week and like finished like at one o'clock this morning. So I'm a little bit like where am I and what is going on um, but yeah I really appreciate that but there is it's really really nice to hear especially from other filmmakers because every time I see the film and it starts off there is that like small moment of panic where I, I'd question every decision I've ever made in my life <laughs> <laughs> just wait till you see Night of the Daniels <laughs> yeah I can't wait to see Night of the there's a lot of questions Candy was incredible Oh, it was, oh, yeah. it's, it was like a little. It was. I, I kind of want a feature with my. Yeah, actually, oh, that know. was that was yeah. one of my things that I had. Mm-hmm. If we got time to do it, where I'm like, I would really exist in that world for so much longer. Like, yeah, we, we, want, more man, we want more Mandy. <laughs> yeah. we, need, we need more I, Mandy in the world. I think uh, I'd love, I'd love that, but I kind of like, I kind of haven't really thought about it so much because 
I kind of if I try and think about a story if I try and think a story into existence then it doesn't usually work for me or if I do it's cack but ever like I'll be doing my dishes and I'm like where's my phone I've, I've had an idea so, <laughs> I do think there is a story there but I just haven't figured out what it is yet so I hope that it comes because I'd love to spend more time with her because it was so much yeah. fun and it was so ridiculous um yeah and I would definitely like to do more but god knows how I would go about it or what it would actually be about mm. or her in her taxi yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's just she's a great character thank you my dad's taxi who really wasn't impressed when he saw my climb on the back of it (laughs) (laughs) i thought the performance from um her friend's boyfriend was was amazing as well and this in very few words you get the idea you know that he's very manipulative and controlling He's um, so sweet. He's such a sweet guy. And it's really funny when you yeah. watch the monitor, just how he goes from like this little teddy bear smile to like the scariest, scariest guy. Mm. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm scared." laughs> no, he was amazing. He was brilliant. He was really brilliant. I just want to say uh, before Shadane has to go that, um, I don't know, it, it, being in a, in a podcast with two filmmakers such as yourselves, I uh, haven't seen your work. Uh, it, just seeing how brilliant it was it's like it's almost a huge compliment for me i'm going to speak for you Sean, as well but it's like a huge compliment to be here with you guys uh especially when you see our work because you guys is just i don't know i think it's way better but, uh, <laughs> and, it, and it kind of validates the journey that me and sean are going on that we're uh, on the same podcast as two filmmakers such as yourselves i don't know just after when i when i watched your films it was just um i don't know they're they were brilliant so. stop would you that's like honestly it's so funny it's so brilliant it's so (laughs) over the top in that real kind of like campy nostalgic way it's Mm. like like, again there's so much physical like it's like it's a very different genre of film but I'm like that's why I really enjoyed watching the three things back to back because they were just they were a completely different genre of films like it's kind of like 80s B movie meets, <laughs> and then you know, kind of like heartfelt mm. friendship comedy drama, and then like terrifying thriller that will haunt you. Like it was, it was a nice kind of mix, and uh, and and just goes to show the programming of the festival. I'm sure there's great things on offer there. So you're in, you're in very good company um, at the Echo Island uh, International Film Festival as well that takes place this May. So make sure you get your tickets for your screenings. But uh, can I ask um, Karen and Sean just one question? I'm actually, um, I, do you, have you always co-directed and, and how did you kind of work out a process around that? Because I'm actually co-directing a short at the moment. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious about how people not that it's not working. <laughs> it's, just, it's just new. I'm just curious because, you you know, is, was this the first time you co-directed and how do you find it? Uh, I think if, if you've, um, we, we kind of, we like to imagine that we're on a similar path sort of to the Daniels who made um, yeah. Everything Everywhere All At Once. And they've, they were making videos together since they were young. Uh, and they started off making music videos and commercials and then they ended up making features I think it's just we we've been friends for twenty years, Kieran and I. Uh, so we we kind of do everything together, and we think the exact same way. In terms of like the process and co-directing, we you know we we wear a lot of caps when we were making Night of the Daniels. We didn't really have a you know a full production crew. You know, one of us would always be holding the boom, one of us would be operating the camera, um, and we would be putting up wallpaper in between takes <laughs> and stuff. So, so like. I don't know where the right people to ask, but yeah, it was a real give and take process. Um, mm. 
And, you know, it's just about taking, I don't know, finding initiative or, you know, reading the room where you just know where like, okay, you can handle this scene better or I don't know. Yeah. And I guess it just comes, we've, it's kind of a weird one because it's not so much co-directed in a professional sense because we've known each other since we were nine, nine years old. So uh, <laughs> it's, we've always kind of come as a pair. So uh, maybe we're not the right people to ask, but it, it is, it's just a give and take and um, just kind of reading the room and, you know, who's going to take the initiative and working yeah. on each other's strengths. Basically. For this for this particular project, it was like, uh, oh, I'm knackered. You take over. <laughs> we, we like, That's uh, good too. That's good too. To yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Just a tag team, you know. Yeah. You go have, I'm you go have, I'm a, have a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> there's another there's another team that I was chatting to and I can't remember the film but they were saying that one does the actors and one does mm-hmm. the camera so yeah. like if there's an area like that's a very interesting thing as well where it was like you know and then they come together and they edit and they share the opinions and then it's like they, they discuss it as that team but I was like but they actually take different roles on set so mm. one would kind of compose the shots more and the other one would yeah be over in the corner working and they they kind of found that it worked that way and then would confer on the bigger moments of, of both them. But it's interesting. Like, I suppose it's just how how long is a piece of string? Mm. So you'll have to come back to us and chat about that one as well. It sounds very interesting. Mm. Great. So I did want to ask about how um, the films, like uh, Sinead, you did mention this um, it, with yours about how, you know, people have react to that specific thing that we will not mention in this podcast <laughs> but but how what has the response been overall to the film like have you gotten feedback like now this is um sean and kieran years was online um, and and what i would say is probably unique in that it's going out to like a very strong uh fan base like like you know like daniel is someone who has a lot of like big big hardcore fans as well so it's interesting to see how they would have received this film you know, um, but like what's been the feedback or what, you know, since watching it with an audience, is there anything that um, maybe surprised you in, in the feedback that you guys have gotten? So I'll, I'll start with you, Sinead. Yeah, I suppose um, I just love watching it with an audience. I suppose with COVID, we were so not able to do that for such a long time. Um, and I, we premiered, we were very fortunate to premiere in Tribeca and I've never premiered my work outside of Ireland so my initial thing was like oh my god like is it gonna land because it's an Irish film and you just don't know you know will something be lost in translation or whatever and so that went really well but then we had our Irish premiere and then I was even more nervous so I was like oh my god it's an Irish audience (laughs) and it's an Irish film so then I just realized that you know being nervous was like the base level and I just had to embrace it and um but yeah I mean um People were I just a lot of good feedback. Like I, I, some people tend to be quite nervous at the start. Like they'll laugh, you know, when he initially enters the room and what he says and things like that, because they're just trying to kind of like figure out. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. My favorite screening so far has been in Cork because we shot it in Cork and Anus from Cork. And um, so just watching it with a Cork audience was very good. And I also sat I mean, at the back for that. Cork, there's a there's a kind of friendliness as well, like an expected friendliness where, yeah. you're, you know, like, and this really plays into that theme, thematic. Theme. Sure. But, so, yeah, I mean, and we, we've gotten a couple of prizes, which was fantastic. And we're nominated for the IFTA now, which is brilliant. So we're, we're you know, it's it's been on a great journey so far. Um, 
you know, like all us all, you just put, keep putting it into the festivals, you just cross your fingers. But there's such strong work out there at the moment, particularly in Ireland, like a lot of the Irish films are doing very well at the big festivals. Um, you know, clearly there's a lot of strong people out there um, making good work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's been good, overall very positive and, you know, very much uh, like going on and on about Aina and Aoife. And I'm like, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and Aina is definitely going to be famous and he's promised that he'll remember us. So it's OK. Good. He definitely will. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like going places. Yeah. yeah. And he's so young, like, you know, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. Mm. But but Lakelands, like he's just he carries this weight and, and is such an unlikable character, but yet has a charm. Like he's just mm. he is just brilliant. He's 100 percent one to watch. Like, I can't wait to see the next thing he's in. Like, he really has a range as well. Um, What about yourselves, Kieran and Sean? <coughs> the, the, the launch. Uh, yeah like how, yeah. how has, what is the feedback been well like? a couple of a couple of daniel fans commented that they think that daniel is now worshiping satan <laughs> <laughs> no honestly i we we couldn't believe how positive the the reaction was and the feedback was and we got like a thousand new followers that were all over the age of 75 <laughs> um so yeah i think bizarrely positive for like what it was and what it is and I I think we had to release it around Halloween for it to make any sense at all and if you know Daniel O'Donnell uh, at all then you know that this is so (laughs) so the other end of you know the direction he goes normally so Um, but actually the year before we released Night of the Daniels we did a music video uh, called Down at the Laddie Da um, which was like an animated dreamscape thing where Daniel O'Donnell enters his own dreams and he's in a, he's in a bar called the Laddie Dan. It's all like animated. And that sort of like led people to thinking maybe Daniel is a self-aware legend. Um, you know, so maybe that planted the seed, um, and sort of allowed us to go a little bit crazier with night of the Daniels. Um, but yeah, uh, Kieran and I, you know, I cringe a little bit when we watch it because we know all of the disasters. And that's always uh, the way. That is always the way. Yeah, like. from like from like all the way through. There's just so many stories uh, about what went wrong and how we overcame it. But no, I mean it's a beautiful disaster at the end of the day, and we love it, and and people seem to really like it. And it's always the thing now that people, you know, um, they come to us and they say, "Oh, these are the guys that did." that halloween thing with daniel you'll, so you'll, you'll go on to do like a serious animation feature um that, you know about about like really uh dark themes and you'll you'll always be known as those guys the, the night of the daniels guys hopefully hopefully <laughs> exactly and sarah uh, i had this really weird experience so we've been candy's been out uh, or like going to festivals um mostly around the uk uh um, since October but yesterday it had its kind of Scottish premiere in Glasgow which is like my hometown I've lived here my whole life so I showed up to it not nervous at all because I'm like it's fine everybody's seen it just because I thought that I just thought that I'd been so liberal with the link I've been told Misha was like okay friends and family only and I've been like sending out people like oh, I'm looking forward to see Candy and I'm like here's the link <laughs> so but then I walked into an audience and I was like oh no everyone hasn't seen it like I know 
there's so many people here I know haven't seen this and then I got suddenly nervous because it was um like really stressful because a lot of people already know me and know my work to then see it like me in such a different way actually on screen was mad but the the reception's been really friendly and um but yeah it's been really friendly it's been great um I my biggest win so far is that the film won the 16 days 16 films film festival which is which is a film festival specifically about ending gender-based violence it runs alongside the UN 16 days of activism so we didn't really even, we put it in because we knew that the themes we wanted to talk about but we kind of thought it's kind of about the best friend it's not really going to be taken seriously so we were really surprised and when we won they said that it was it, it highlighted the importance of female friendship and I could have cried like I was that's all, all I really want to talk about is the importance of female friendship and how there is no there is no fat girl best friend we are not a subordinate we are equal and we are essential to each other so it's been really really great that people are seeing that and getting that and feeling that that's important to them as well so it's been so it's been so lovely it's been so great and also I think that is as daft as it is it's just made my confidence soar even though I kind of did it for the sake of like the film I'm like oh no the film has done me personally not just professionally a lot of good as well and that's there is an element like I kind of realized there is an, a going there is something to be said for faking it till you make it for confidence <laughs> um so it's been it's been a really lovely experience so far well that's that's lovely to hear and that's a lovely sentiment to um, end on so I'll, I'll just say thank you guys so much for uh, chatting with us that was I could I honestly could have stayed an extra and had loads more questions that I'm not even going to ask because it was so interesting um, so that like it, hopefully we'll see you at the festival um, it's a it's a fabulous location Ackle is on the map now after um, what is it My Sailor My Love and, and Banshees so uh, if anyone if anyone is around make sure to go see it there's there's these three fabulous films and, and a whole lot more to, to catch so um, yeah, thank you guys yeah thank you guys yeah. so much thank you so, so nice to meet you guys yeah. so lovely thank you so much you.